Welcome to the Unmanly Manly Podcast with Frank and Sergio. I'm Frank. And I'm Sergio. And we're here to talk about our experiences in many areas of our lives and how masculinity plays a role in all of that. We're just two dudes sharing our perspectives. We may not be experts, but we have strong opinions that might resonate with you. What's up, everybody? Thanks for making it again. And uh, today we have another special guest. His name is David Orsini. He's a physical trainer and he actually trains Frank Fallon. So I want to give him the stage and we'll be talking about physical fitness and a lot of great stuff. So um, I want to hand it over to you, David. How's it going? It's going well, Sergio and uh, Frank. uh, Thank you for having me on here. I'm very humbled and extremely grateful. Yeah, thanks for Uh, being here. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And uh, today I want to talk about actually what it is to be physically fit. Mm-hmm. All right, awesome, awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, w- w- what was it like for you to become a physical trainer? You know, what what brought you to, to become one? Uh, you know, and whatever you want to share in terms of your journey. Well, my fitness journey started at the tender age of eight. Now, it's not the necessarily conventional method that most trainers go through or like football, baseball, basketball, soccer. I came through um, on more of an Eastern route coming through uh, the art of uh, karate. Oh, nice. And my, uh, my finish journey was starting at the, uh, in karate in a Kyokushin dojo all the way out in Brooklyn. Um, now, needless to say, I actually was one of the most hyperactive students in the dojo, which is one of the reasons why my father had brought me there in the first place. Mm, interesting. Now, given that, uh, given that that was one of the methods my father chose to keep me in physical activity, I often saw that there was a lot of carryover and benefit to it. As I got to a point in my life where commuting to Brooklyn was not necessarily a feasible thing for my parents uh, for eight years, I actually had to, you know, seek uh, training elsewhere, somewhere close by, which was at a local Tiger Showman's for a little while, mm. which was not necessarily something I was very happy with because I'd been in like the whole mixed martial arts aspects. Right, right. Not saying mixed martial arts is bad in general. I mean, hey, look, it's a great workout. You're, you're going to get a lot out of it. You know, you learn how to fight on the ground and you learn how to fight standing up, which is great. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I was, uh, I, w- I like the aspects of form. I like the aspects of a structure that gives people that opportunity to really just learn more about themselves. Mm. That was one of the reasons why I actually started karate and what led me to, you know, where I'm at now. After having committed myself to Tiger Shulman's for a little bit of time, I actually went to train in the KKMY dojo all the way out in the city for some time up until 2014, 
also having a stint uh, training in Japan uh, with one of the famous masters, uh, Kancho Matsui. Wow. Over cool. time, over time, I had the opportunity to leave the IKO One organiz- uh, affiliate organization school, KKNY, because I just was not into the politics. I wanted to focus on training and actually building myself more. And that's where I now I'm at. Iwata Dojo right now for the past seven years, which I am also extremely grateful and actually happy uh, for because every time I'm there, I'm constantly just learning more about myself every day. And is, what, what's up? I'm sorry, uh, just a question. Is it something about the philosophy of karate that had you stick with that? Well, the thing about karate, well, the person who created my style of karate, his name is Sosai, or we call him Sosai, long before, you know, he was, when he was alive, uh, Masoyama passed away, just to give, get, give you a little context, around April uh, 26, 1994. Okay. Mm. Um, when Sosai was alive, he really focused on any goal is achievable. You just got to put in the work. This only secret to strength is sweat. Mm. Okay. Sweat it out. Okay. And that and that alone really like, you know, it resonated with me, but also gave me a little bit more of an augmented sense that, you know, you have to be strong in order to really survive out there. Yeah. Um, which gave me more of an opportunity to really get connected with personal training, which I often at times and I was very guilty of this, always put down personal trainers. Mm. How come? Well, the thing is, personal training, you know, it's not necessarily a skill set you learn from going to school. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you sign up for a course. It can be and, you, and it's a self-study course. You can literally just become a personal trainer within six months. I see. Where it took me almost 30 years. Well, going on 30 years now mm-hmm. to be at where I'm at as a karate practitioner. I see what you're saying. So it's like they took a shorter route and now they are reaping the benefits. Meanwhile, you worked much longer and you put a lot more into it to to be able to be legitimized as 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 an instructor, right? Correct, yes. I can yeah, I can definitely understand why you would you wouldn't like that. Has that has that perspective changed over time? The perspective has changed over the years because I started to notice that personal training requires a lot of knowledge of knowing how the body works. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people who go to school to, you know, get their uh, bachelor's of science and uh, exercise science or kinesiology become often become either personal trainers or physical therapists. Now, okay. given that, given that I haven't had that formal education, my formal education is in psychology. So is it psychology, you said? It's, it's in psychology, yes. Oh, nice. Um, I went to Fordham University where I've had, I, I have received a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in social work. Uh, so Master's in social work? Clinical social work, correct, yes. Oh, man, me too. <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, what a small world. Oh, look at that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Here we are amongst the same people. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Got it, got it. Yeah, so you put in a lot of time, a lot of effort to get where you are. Correct. A lot of time. And yeah, it's true. You know, with with personal trainers, there is some knowledge they have to gain to be able to, you know, do a good job. But I also think that when it comes to personal trainers, yeah, they can have the credentials and um, their path is shorter than what you went through. But I mean, I'm sure that 
if a personal trainer isn't good at helping people improve, then it's going to show up in their work, whether or not they're worth hiring. What do you think well, about that? Well, that's the thing. It's like, see, working as a personal trainer in the commercial industry really doesn't give you any kind of, it gives you like a leg up so that people or a group of people or community can know you, right? Mm-hmm. So when I started out, I started out at Equinox, Columbus Circle, and I wanted to get my foot wet into the uh, fitness industry in doing personal training. Now, mm-hmm. be that as it may, I haven't had a lot of luck in um, really just understanding the corporate culture because for me, the corporate culture was not more, it was more about making the money, mm. which I understand because, you know, you know, in order for businesses to thrive, you know, there has to be a bottom line that needs to be met, which right. is totally understood. And I right. got that. But when it comes to overall understanding what it means to, to be a trainer, the criterion that I follow um, that helps me to become the trainer that I am now is that you got to really know yourself. Mm. Forget about knowing how to change other people. You can take so many courses in changing other people. It doesn't mean it doesn't really make a difference. Right. For many years, all I knew was how to actually understand and control myself. And people often ask me, "Is like, why don't you teach that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Why don't you offer a service doing that?" Well. In my eyes, I thought I was, you know, giving psychotherapy for as long as I did or still do and um, had the opportunity to just really just spend my knowledge into other areas other than exercise, which is which is also of great importance. Right. And that the the greatest asset a trainer can have, honestly, is the ability to listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And that's where my ability to become a trainer now has actually helped me become where, where I like to feel where I am the most strongest is nice. where my listening lies. Nice. Uh, I just want to say, as one of David's clients, uh, certainly it's like I, I'm just in awe in talking to you for the past two years, like how much you level up what your knowledge base is. You, you're constantly learning. You're constantly like, looking for the next avenue where to better your services for your clients. Like if it's not just personal training and, and, and physical training, a bit of physical therapy as well. Like for me, when I've had my uh, frozen shoulder and everything and you, you were able to pivot onto that and you've bought books and you figured that out. Plus you've gotten into nutrition as well. And it's just, it, it's very impressive how much you work with the client and offer as much as you possibly can. Thank you, Frank, and I, I and I thank you for. I really want to really take you know take it in that you know for the acknowledgement you've given me right now. I'm very grateful for that. And the biggest the biggest compliment that I can always have is you know just my clients being happy and praising me. So that's the thing about being a trainer. Often at times we always look, we always want to see like what's the biggest um, fitness trend, like what's going to give the biggest bang for the client's buck. Or when it comes to just offering services, because there's guys who are very who specialize in powerlifting. There's guys like me who offer martial arts fitness. There's guys like friends of mine who also do CrossFit. I have other clients who do these like you know the Bar Stars workouts, mm-hmm. and all these guys have great great exercise acumen. The one thing that I often notice at times is, and not to put down anyone, 
and this is no means to put down anyone, is really getting to know where the client start is where where the client's actual exercise age is. Mm. Meet them where they are. Yes, meet them where they are. Yeah, and that makes so, perfect sense. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, no, 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 no. It's all good, guys. It's all good. Well, the thing is also like, I look at it from a standpoint of. I have a client who I was working, who I just worked with before I just jumped on this podcast. I'm going to name this client uh, Hector. Mm. Okay. And Hector had a trainer prior to me. And one of the things that I noticed about Hector was that his, he also has the same kind of frozen shoulder issue as Frank does. Mm. Now, Hector had not uh, had any introduction to any kind of warm-ups or corrective exercises because he's a you know he's a desk jockey that's what he does he works in finance he's a desk he's a desk jockey mm-hmm. and that's one of the and that's one of the things you always got to look out for as a trainer is that what does your client do how does your client move throughout the day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what kind of shoes did they you know i'm not saying you have to be paranoid and you know put your client under a microscope i'm saying there is you know your client's lifestyle and how or what they do throughout the day right got it got it yeah, that makes perfect sense because, I mean, um, just thinking about it as somebody who would work out from time to time, you know, especially after the pandemic, you know, when I was younger, I, I used to be very active. I play sports, I work out, all of that. Um, and I never really f- felt like there was any problems with me just jumping right back into it whenever there was a, a gap when I wasn't working out anymore. But now that I'm older, I do notice that, especially with the pandemic and not working out and sitting down most of the time, I noticed that when I go back to play, my baseline fit, physical fitness level is way lower and I can't do the same things I used to do or else I'll hurt myself or I'll just do it poorly. And I have to, you know, tell myself, all right, now I got to take steps back and start from, you know, wherever it is that I am in order for me to rebuild myself or else I'm not going to be working out um, effectively. And I totally get that. And I also get, you know, where... Sometimes people can get impatient with themselves and want to just go back to where they used to be because that's what they remember, you know, and it might not feel too good to uh, find yourself at a lower level than what you're used to. Exactly. Well, that's the, that's one of the things that I always, often ask myself, like as an athlete, when I was uh, competing, I suffered a severe hip injury and it put me out for a good while. Jesus. I mean, of course, I was able to work out and exercise. But definitely not in the in the place where I was actually being able to come back into the ring and fight like I used to. Mm. Um, I had to. I was asked to take uh, a sabbatical, which I did, and I was forced to retire. Wow. What was that like for you? Well, that that's the thing. Retirement for me, you know, 2012. I was possibly was that nine years ago. I was <laughs> yeah. like 20. I was 29 years old. Okay. You tell that to a 29-year-old who's pretty much not even peaked yet. Right. Some fighters peak at 29. Some fighters peak later on. But mm. I was literally at my peak at 29, like literally just at my best. Wow. And I was forced to retire. That would hurt, in my opinion, to hear that. That would hurt. Yeah. It hurts a lot. It, it, it hurt me a lot because one of the things that I, I, I often notice is the physical aspect of training is – is one aspect. The mental aspect of training is a whole different, it's a whole different skill set. Right. 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 I had to, you know, I had to also remind myself like, look, as I get older, I'm not able to move the way I did as I was in my twenties. I'm 38 years old right now. And 
given that I have the opportunity to really just give all my energy to a place where I can totally just be immersed, not just in martial arts, but also be in weightlifting, uh, do kettlebell training, do uh, post-exercise rehab work where I help people like Frank or my client Hector, or I help others who, uh, who may want my services who don't know what to do after they get out of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. That's where all it lies today. You know, that's where now, given that, you know, you're, you're older now, you know, when we were in twenties, we can bounce back from anything. When you get to your thirties and forties, it gets a little bit more, you know, it's more challenging. Yeah. It's yep. more complicated. Sure. What do you know, Sergio? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to call out the young book here. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I definitely see it in older people and I'm starting to starting to see it in myself and it's already giving me the heebie-jeebies. But yeah, I was actually curious. You were talking about earlier how, you know, karate and your training taught you a lot. Like there was a lot of lessons that you learned about yourself. Um, is there anything that you don't mind sharing about what you've learned in your practice? Well, one thing it taught me how to overcome is fear. Oh, nice. Say more about that. So what is one thing that keeps people from achieving their goals in life, right? Yeah. Right. Fear is one of them. Fear has been the biggest obstacle most people have a hard time overcoming. Right. Right. Why do I say why do I say it's a hard obstacle? Well, look, I fought a lot of scary guys in my life. I've beaten most of them. Mm. I've lost to most of them. Mm. But the biggest thing that I know is that I stood up to all of them. Yeah. That's courage. That's courage right there. Standing yeah. up in the face of fear. Yep. Now, given that I was able to stand up in the face of fear, well, now remember, I told you before, it's not just about the physical, it's about the mental. Mm-hmm. Now, the mental aspect of it is what? Is letting yourself see what your inner dialogue is giving you right now, because right now your inner dialogue is saying, hell no. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether being like, you know, losing 20 pounds, or whether it's allowing yourself just to be in a space where you're able to just get connected to people. Cause there's people out there who have a hard time doing so. I was yep. one of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And going to your local dojo was a way to socialize. Pretty much. Yeah. I was one of those guys who would be at the dojo. I was the dojo rat. Mm. I, 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 I'm not going to deny that. I was the dojo rat. Mm. And I was the guy who would just talk to everyone and just be around and seeing like who's around just to like, have just general conversation so that if let's say, Hey guys, who will want to spar after class or who wants to practice this form after class, or who wants to do some conditioning after class, I'd be that guy. Mm-hmm. Most right. people would be like, no, nah, I don't want to do it or not. Nah, I, I want to, you know, go about my day because that's how passionate I was about, about yeah. these guys. Yeah. And this is, and this is where, you know, a lot of the lessons of karate I learned, you know, one of the things you, we learn is to, not use what we learn in order to really prove how strong we are because we know we're strong physically Mm -hmm. right right mental toughness is what really makes you see how strong you really are damn you could you can break 10 sheets of ice you know (laughs) that's crazy yeah there's guys i've seen do that before there's guys i've seen like you know kick you know big blocks of ice breaking it with their wow. shins, with their feet, with their fists. It also takes a lot of courage because what if I break my hand? 
What yeah, if right. I break my shin? What if I break my foot? Mm. But it takes a lot of force to break a part of your body. I see. So even just the pain alone, not even breaking it, but just the pain of impact might deter people from doing that. Yeah. I, I was always curious about that when it comes to breaking, you know, really hard objects and how pe some people were able to do it. And I was curious and, and, you know, I was wondering if you know, when it comes to breaking these things, does the fear and, you know, maybe potentially hesitating when you're about to hit it, would that lead to you hurting yourself more than if you were to just fully commit to it? Well, just like in life, right? Mm. You hesitate at anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to bite you in the ass. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was just so curious about that one piece. Okay. Well, something I can say, though, in, in what you're sharing here, David, especially with regards to just your passion for for karate and, and, you know, you being there all the time leads to this mastery. And, of course, like with everything else in life, like you mastery is just a word it's there's there's an infinite level of possibilities of, of where you can progress and everything but that's something that i think a lot of people could look at and put in place in their own lives like even as my myself as an artist like i had to deal with fear fear of rejection fear of like um am i good enough to get this in on time and meeting deadlines mm -hmm. and you know for me also that, that it's a passion of mine so i do it all the time and there's there's a big lesson there there's people that are very impatient and want mastery right now mm -hmm. gotta, gotta have this now and it doesn't life does not work that way no it doesn't you know what when i was a kid i was that way myself honestly mm. that's the that's the funny part you know when you're yeah. so when you're a kid with adhd mm. and you're you're wanting results quick I mean, you train, I mean, for me, I train tirelessly with right. forever and just really just putting all my all into it. And there'd be times where I felt like, felt like I was either going to die or I was, I felt like I was, I was going to be reborn again. Mm. Yeah. I wow. bet. You know, I, I, I can remember there were times where I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to train because I was just so depleted and exhausted and drained and I just didn't have I didn't have it. What what was in me to just like continue? Because that's where a lot of my energy would just go to, just believing that I have the opportunity to just be the best I can be. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, like the, the effort that I put in had yielded results. Right. Yeah. I think it's it. What's worth mentioning here because you did mention that you know some folks can get impatient and want results you know immediately when that's not possible um but what i'm noticing from your story is that yeah you had that fervor and you wanted to you know get those results as quickly as possible and that led you to just constantly train but you kept at it, it you never quit you know and you were young too so you were you were able to like grind but what i'm what i think is the problem here is that when people get impatient you know, goes go balls to the wall trying to get results quickly. Don't see it. Get discouraged and then stop. Stop working out. Stop training or anything like that. Well, as you as you may know, like a lot of times people tend to become very dependent on the ranking system. If I don't get this belt, I'm mm. not worth it. If I don't get this trophy, I don't. I'm not worth it. See, the thing about losing is that we all we all lose one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I could tell you from a, a boatload of times where I've lost, I've been knocked out, had concussions, and still got up, went back to the drawing board again, and started training. Mm, that's dedication. Now, am I? does that make me invincible? No, it makes you unstoppable is what it makes you. Yeah, it makes me unstoppable. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm at the position right now where I can actually feel as if I'm even feeling much stronger than where I was beforehand. You know, I'm not, I'm not Superman, guys. I'm just a human being like you and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the most practical terms, you're a human being. The only difference is just the amount of hours you dedicated to training, right? And that's something that anybody can do if they were to, you know, exercise that will and discipline. So that's pretty much fair. But it's still, you know, a very admirable feat to be able to reach that, you know? It's not like it's nothing, you know? And actually, the fact that you're human actually makes that much more impressive because of the limitations humans live by, you know, internal and external. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. So, like, a lot of people often ask me, it's like, why do you, why do you train the way you do? Like, what makes, it, what makes it that much special? You always feel like you're always tired or sore or depleted and to be honest with you that's not the case Mm. you know it's like for me i was i was in a position where i just needed to feel as if i had command of what i needed to do in order to actually achieve the goal that i wanted if i wanted to win a title i put the work in if i wanted to get you know my rank it's up to my teacher whether or not i'm worthy of the rank right my teacher was the one who told me to to tell me that I am, I'm worthy of that rank because it was the rank that I wanted. Mm. If, you know, I'm a second, I'm a second degree black belt now. Uh, and honestly, for me, being a second degree black belt, I've been so since 2012. As soon as I actually retired wow. from fighting. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, that's insane, dude. But the thing is, like, I, I, but I still train. That's the, that's the moral of the story, guys. Mm-hmm. So I have, a, I have a question. Now, I'm sure you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you can attribute your mental toughness to your training in karate, the discipline that that taught you. But what if you're someone, Joe Schmo off the street, or Jill Schmo off the street, <laughs> whoever, not to leave anyone out. And, you know, going to the gym, not a priority. Their physical fitness is not tip-top. They know it, but they're not going to go to a gym. They're not going to seek out uh, any any help on that. They may not even know that seeking out help is an option either. But what kind of advice would you have for someone to build up that kind of mental toughness to say, like, you know, I'm, I'm up, I'm awake, I'm going into the gym, and I'm going to tackle today? Okay, so one of the things that I would say right now is that you have to be in a position where do you really want to be at least, do you want personal training? Right. Right, being honest with yourself. Right, like some people just get personal training because they feel like it's something that they feel like they need to do. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So, to be honest with you, like there's people that sought me out for personal training and made me feel like as if I, I was in a position where I was not needed for my services. Mm, I see. Now, given that 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 to be the case. I'm only maybe one of many trainers that can do what I do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm one of many trainers that can train you to uh, overcome injury. Mm-hmm. I'm one of many trainers who can put you in a position where you can actually be lifting weights and often heavy weights 
safely. I'm one of many trainers that can actually give you the resources that you can search within yourself to give you more of an opportunity to see what can change in how your lifestyle is, whether it be, you know, changing your diet, you know, giving yourself a better uh, ability to sleep, because that's one of the biggest things most people have a hard time doing is really just Mm -hmm. getting good, good quality sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just learning how to cope with stress. It was funny because I was on, uh, I don't know if you ever guys go on this uh, app called Clubhouse, where you could, um, we were talking about hedonic uh, behaviors, uh, how people cope and create happiness through external validation, Mm. where they either would buy, uh, they would buy a car or buy a shirt or get a prostitute or something that's going to give them, you know, instant gratification, but not wow. really look in. And, uh, and basically I would call this more of an avoidance, avoiding what the root cause is. Right. Yeah. These are indulgences that distract you. Yes, exactly. So it's basically, you're creating a distraction to basically let go of the overall problem. Mm. Right, 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 right. That's pretty much where it is. Right. You, you don't even, I don't even know. If whether or not I've been in a position where I ha- actually haven't really dealt with that. I mean, have I have I have done this behavior before? Of course, yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that, 100. percent Right, yeah. right. I think we all have to some extent. Exactly. And often, I f- often I see that there's so much more opportunity to really just say hey look you have a good support so one of the things that is hard to find for some people is a good support system right Right. friends family without having the feeling of you're being like you know there's like a dogmatic like sensation where you're like oh this person is judging me because i'm just having a piece of cake what the hell Mm. or this person is like making me feel like shit because i i had sex with this one girl that he didn't like or she had sex with this guy that this her friend didn't like you know stuff mm-hmm. like that guys like yeah mm-hmm. it's just it's just learning to ha- it's learning to deal with like everyday issues that where communication is paramount like i told you before the mental aspect of fitness is not always looked upon everyone wants to look for different exercise trends different uh, diet plans, supplements, you name it. It's been, it's out there. Like right. it's, it's like one of those things that you're just gonna like, you're just gonna know like, Hey, look, like I want to, I want to have this, um, this body because I saw it in a magazine. I wanted to, I wanted to feel that, you know, once I have this body, I, I, I can, I can meet any you know potential person I want to be with or, or just feel more confident about myself when I'm in the office. Mm. Or, right. mm-hmm. or another thing would be like, let's say when you're in high school, like you look, you know, you look like you can lift a thousand pounds, you know, people, kids won't bully you. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Confidence. Right. So yeah, often at times confidence is one of those things that I tend to see being the, one of the primary causes of people either seeking personal training or not. Um, to answer your previous question, right? So, right, yeah. To, to answer your previous question, people wanna people don't wanna feel like they're inadequate to deal with their own issues, mm-hmm. and that's like one of those like that's one of those tricky questions to answer because there's so much you gotta know where the person's at mentally. Are they ready? That's why you always, we always ask from zero to ten. How 
how how engaged are you into being in personal training right now? Right. If the person's right. like a one, then they're not ready. Right. Right. If the person's at a if the person's at a ten or at an eight or a six, we just gotta get closer to that place where they're feeling as if they're like, yeah, I can actually do this. I'm, I'm in a position where, yeah, I want personal training. I want to, I want to have a certain change to my lifestyle that I want to be able to look, feel and experience what it's like to be healthy. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That really does answer the question pretty well because it, it, there's a lot of variables to it. Like you're saying, there's a lot of variables to, that keep people out of having those kinds of goals and and being realistic about things. Like, why are you doing this? Are you doing this for X reason, Why we reason? And they're, they're fine, but at the end of the day, if you're going in for health reasons, that's a pretty good mark, I think. But if it's just an ideal, sure, you can do that. You know, maybe you're going for bodybuilding and, and you want to win a competition doing that. Right. Great, go for it. But that's not a common thing. That's a very niche area of uh, physical fitness. Yeah. But for people like myself, who's like, I what am I training for? I'm not training for anything. I'm, but I am training for my health. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm I'm in my 40s, and I want to get into my 50s, 60s, and 70s in a condition that works mm-hmm. or works as best as I can get this this rickety old cricket body to go. <laughs> yeah it's like mitigating the effects of aging by exercising and staying healthy yeah versus people who want you know the summer bod and it's already january you know yeah <laughs> exactly. well exactly exactly you know david was saying about like it's a lot of focus goes on trends mm-hmm. and that's exactly one trend you got also the the new year's <coughs> resolution thing and Mm-hmm. And then people fall off after a few weeks. Yeah. Well, also, like, all, Frank, can I use you an example as an example? Absolutely. Yeah, please. So let's say, for instance, like Frank, right? So God rest his soul. Frank's uh, father pa- passed away recently. And uh, I see that often at times, you know, people who see their parents and this is uh, more so one of the reasons why they either seek out personal training or just starting exercising in general is because they see what their already almost certain future is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. To see your parents getting older, going through the process of aging, the challenges and all of that could scare someone to be like, well, you know, if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm going to suffer. And I'd be lying if I said that wasn't 100% the reason for it. That's perfectly fair. Yeah. I mean, I, my parents never took care of themselves mm. and quickly just, just everything evaporated. Like the, the weight gain, the lack of mobility, even the willingness to be mobile, all that dropped significantly by the time they were in their late forties, early fifties. And I don't want that for myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want better than that. And I, I, I'm I'm also determined and willing to put myself in the position of weekly pains and gains, you know. <laughs> and you know, I, I I admit to David all the time, like I I don't want to be here today, whatever whatever it is. But I know <laughs> that I need to be there because I I'm committed to my own personal health. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and the frozen shoulder is one thing. That's you know, that's just something that's that came on that's going to go. And once that's gone and I'm back on track, it's I'm sticking with this because I want that mobility when I'm in my, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, etc. And, you know, things will happen, I'm sure, that I can't help. That is just like, you know, call it act of God or whatever. But there might be something that might, you know, be a setback, like the frozen shoulder as an an instance. It's not going to take me out and there's always something I can do. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what it takes with someone like David, you know, with his mastery and guidance to show me, like, what avenues I can take. Mm, that's really cool. And as so, often as often as you see now, like, there's there's been always in that in that realm where, you know, people say, yeah, I don't want to be here today. And I always get that from my clients, being Frank or Hector or other clients that I have who are either television producers or just... Or just like people who work in finance or even in the health industry. It's been amazing where, you know, they may not want to be at a specific place, but by the end of the day and when they're done with the workout, they're like, oh, the workout's done. But then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I feel like I accomplished more today than I did like (laughs) whatever I did throughout my day. Not discrediting what you guys did at work or anything else that you've been doing throughout the day. It's just that there's a certain sense of personal accomplishment there. I, I totally get that. And I, I'll, I also want to agree with that on top of which that, you know, what I do every day is the same thing every day in an office, like a lot of people do, where, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing something physically active, there is a sense of accomplishment there. There are endorphins running through my, my, my brain, et cetera, that, you know, I do feel like, yeah, this is something that I accomplished. No, I made it through this week, and I did this. Mm. I have something, and I have, I have something to show for it, in a sense, right? You know, like my my body, especially like considering how how the pandemic has gone, and you know, I put on a few pounds, more than a few, <laughs> and you know, but I I think if it wasn't for David's insistence and you know his commitment to me, not just as a client, but also you know we're, we're friends too, but. That's also just the kind of trainer he is. He he looks out for people's best interest, and I'm sorry I'm talking to you in, in the third person here, because <laughs> um, I feel like I'm just talking to Sergio about this as well. <laughs> well, yeah, you're telling us about David. Yeah, from my own experience. But like, yeah, you know, we worked out throughout the pandemic virtually, mm. and while that was helpful, it was beneficial. Now New York City's opened back up. We're back in the gym, and it is such a difference doing this in person. Like there is no replacement for it. Mm. There really isn't. Yeah, I could imagine that you lose a lot of it when it's virtual because I mean it's working out. Like there's a lot to physical training uh, where you have to be there in person with your clients or you you Frank with your trainer. You know David. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Actually, I was very curious about that too, David. Um, in terms of the pandemic, um, well, it sounds like you were still able to like work with Frank, um, but with the pandemic and people gaining weight and also all of the psychological effects from the quarantine and, and et cetera, et cetera, um, how, how was that like for you and your clients? Did it get tougher for you to be able to work with them? Like, did oh, anything boy. come up? Heavy? Okay. Heavy? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let's just put it to you this way, Sergio. Okay. Um, there was Frank was the only client that was I had to I had training online. Mm. 
Um, I literally had to go back, and that's the reason why I'm I'm doing therapy now. Mm. Um, and giving it because of the fact that I had no one to work with. I had literally had no work. Oh, um, okay. I still had a mortgage. I was living in an apartment in Great Neck, New York. I had possibly all this debt to cover. I was only able to stay in that apartment for one month without working. Yeah, it it was it was it was really rough. I had mm. to move in with my parents and just work in a way where I was not as active. I was I was sitting a lot. Mm. I mean, I would practice karate. I mean, practicing karate is not just like, you know, throwing punches and kicks in the air and practicing forms and or we call kata. And also like, you know, doing some basic calisthenics with base, whatever equipment I had at the time in my mm. possession. Mm-hmm. So emotionally, the toll was, yeah, I'm losing my apartment. I'm losing my independence, you know, because who wants to move in back with their parents? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Also, like I had the opportunity to just be in a position where I was like, all right, well, okay, great. Let me just, let me just do what I got to do in order to, to have myself in a position so I can actually make some money so I can get out. Well, now I'm in, you know, I'm living in Bayside, Queens. Thank God. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. So you had to do what you had to do. Wow. Yeah. You know, thank God I have my education. Thank God I have my, I have an opportunity to do whatever work I, I can do in order to just live my life. Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely have a fallback. Wow. So in some ways you were fortunate, it was challenging, but in some ways you were fortunate to be able to bounce back on your feet. Um, well, sheesh, I'm glad that it didn't get worse, you know? No, totally. And that's the thing. I was also being, being a guy who's single too. I mean, I know this is about fitness, but also when you're a single guy and you're dealing with everything on your own, mm. you know, one of the reasons why some people also might find the trainers because look, they're just lonely. Mm. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Frank, I mean, I found COVID love, but then soon after I broke up with her, I'm not going to digress, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, often at times people find trainers for all, all funny reasons. Right. That's interesting. I never thought about that. Me neither. How did you deal with that? You know, when it comes to someone coming, wanting to be your client because they're lonely and all these other reasons outside of just wanting to get fit, wanting to get a, be account, be held accountable and things like that. I think like in a lot of ways, you know, there's, there's, there's always that blur between personal training and uh, paying my fee as a therapist, you know, it's a difference, right? Yeah. Right. It's either, it's either, you know, you're paying a hundred dollars or you're paying $250 you know, people want to say, yeah, I want to work out with you. But they don't know that I have, they don't know I have this, like, license and background. And they're like, oh, why are you charging me $250? I'm like, oh, because all we did was just talk. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh, jeez. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Well, that's fair, so, though. Now they know what to fair. expect. So if I'm, sit- if I'm sitting at the computer, I'm not moving around and they're not moving with me. Yeah, it's a therapy session. If that's what they need, okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> Just know that that's what you need instead of going in for a workout. It's, Dave, it's David Arsini's one-stop shopping for uh, all your physical and mental needs. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. How about this? Where can people find you? You can either find me on Instagram at David, at David Orsini Fitness. You can find me on my website, which is www.davidorsinifitness.com. Or you can find me on 
findyourtrainer.com. Type right. in David Orsini. And no, uh, I don't have an OnlyFans, so just don't. don't <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question, obviously, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, David, any, any final words? All right, guys. Well, my final words are this. Train hard. Just live your life to the fullest. Mm. Mm. Awesome. 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 Let's apply that. Listeners, apply that. Work hard. Just Carpe diem. Carpe diem, carding. yeah. Yeah, carpe diem and, 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 and avoid the carbs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, that's also for another discussion, actually. I love that. That's a great way to close it out. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much, David, for making it. All of this information you shared was wonderful. Um, I learned some things. I hope the listeners learned some things. Um, and we have Frank here who you know can attest to your work, given that you're still working together. Two years and running. Two yeah. years. There you go. Some people haven't had romantic relationships that long, you know? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> uh, and honestly, I, I'm very picky. You know, I'll put it right out there i'm very picky with a lot of this stuff and if, if this wasn't working i i wouldn't be seeing david you know but mm -hmm. he's gotten me through a lot of stuff and you know i've uh one peculiar part which is i have scoliosis which is you know messing with the way pretty much the right side of my body works or doesn't work and he's done so much for me with that with the frozen shoulder and i'm at a point now where i'm i'm finally put it on mass that i you know because my thin frame was just always thin now I, I i look solid so and that's that's thanks to, to david and and really listening for what i'm going through and what i what my needs and desires are with within like where i want my fitness and the rest is clearly on me to perform you know i'm paying him for this and he delivers Mm -hmm. So I don't see. I, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Very nice. So again, David, thanks for coming on. We'll have you on again soon. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Take care. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Yes. Catch you guys next time. It was, a, it was a pleasure being on here with you guys and just really getting to understand, you know, just understand what this podcast is all about and uh, connecting with, with everyone here, with Sergio and Frank. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Same here. Same here, man. I'll see you, I'll see you next week, Frank. Yes. <laughs> Back in the camp. <laughs> Regular yes, schedule program. Yeah. <laughs> if you were going to say it, I was. Yep. <laughs> all oh, right, man. man. Awesome. All right. Take care. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unmanly Manly Podcast with Frank and Sergio. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Google, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public, as well as our Instagram at Unmanly Manly Podcast, no underscore, no punctuation. See you next time.